Listener beware, you're in for a scare, because it is episode 21 of Motion Picture Pals, the Halloween special, and we are going to talk about The Witch. I am Cam Call, with me is Rebecca Markley. Hello! Producer Travis Lean. Hello! And enemy of the show, Caleb Warwick. Caleb, how's I'm it here. going? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Good, good. It's been a while since we've all been podcasting together, but we all got together... To talk about the witch for Halloween, it's November second. Uh, I think this episode will premiere on Election Day. Yeah, I was gonna say we're recording on the actual the, the day before the actual scariest day of the year and possibly our lifetimes. So that's that's real cool. But we're not here to talk about any of that. We're here to talk about Puritans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the witch stylized the Vavitch. It's uh, a pretty famous, pretty highly acclaimed uh, A24 horror film from 2015, directed by Robert Eggers, starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ineson, Kate Dickey, and Charlie. The goat. Charlie is a goat. He played Black Phillip. So, uh, what, are you going to say something, Rebecca? I was just going to say, God bless Black Phillip. Yeah, but, well, Wait. maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so before we get into what actually happens in this movie, what was everybody's impression first or otherwise of the film? I, I really liked it. Um, like, especially in terms of like a horror movie, because it's not necessarily a conventional horror movie with your, you know, your spooks and your constant spooky music and everything. It's obviously a very different set piece compared to, I guess, what traditional horror movies are associated with you know you're in 1600s um england and it's just very a different vibe and i i really 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 just liked the whole vibe of the movie in general and like how one outside entity is kind of affecting an entire family and i i really like that whole scenario but i thought it was a fantastic movie yeah definitely not to split hairs, though, uh, just a real quick correction. They, this is in America. Everybody has immigrated from England. I'm sorry, uh, New England. No, that's a not co- New England. Oh, yeah, New England. Okay. Not Old England, as one might, <laughs> right. might assume. Uh, although a quick tidbit, uh, the casting was all done in England to get authentic accents for the time period. So I thought that was neat. But uh, oh, Rebecca, what do you think of the movie? Um... I was reminded by Cam when we were watching the film that the first time that Cam and I tried to watch this film, we did not finish it. We gave up. We were too spooked. Way too spooked. (laughs) Way too spooked. I think it was also around Halloween that we were watching it. And yeah, I think very shortly after it came out, I think it had just been put up like or just been made available to watch online when we saw it. Yeah, and we were like, wow, this seems fun. And it's, you know, not a conventional horror movie, so I thought I could watch it. Nope, couldn't do it. Was way too fucked up. Um, I had the uh, plot summary just, like, on my phone for easy access, so, like, I could, like, anticipate what was happening happening next, so, I, like, it wouldn't be a disaster the whole time. Um, 
but I really liked it. I loved all of the themes of like man versus nature, all of like the religious control versus freedom. I loved um, just like Thomason as like a character. I also really loved and I also hated her dad, um, William. I thought he was a huge asshole, but really liked his like portrayal and his sort of like arc in the in the film. Um, yeah, and it just was really spooky and Halloweeny, and I like that. I don't know. Uh, Travis. Um, I'm, I've been having a hard time coming to a conclusion about this movie because I also saw it probably back in 2015. Um, I thought it was really good. I was really spooked by it. And then, so this was my second time watching it, and I didn't enjoy it as much as the first time, which is probably just indicative of it being a horror movie. And, you know, you can only watch a horror movie for the first time once and what's, <laughs> what's scarier than the unknown and not knowing what's going to happen. I think that's part of the magic of, of the horror genre. Um, I, I don't know. I like, I think it's a good movie. I think I just, I came up with a lot more criticisms of it this time around, maybe watching, watching it more, um, with a more critical eye this time around, because I think last time it was more of in like a social setting, so I was just getting spooked with whoever I was watching it with. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think as we go over, I don't know. I was having a hard time with like, I think my 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 main thing, and I'll ask everyone here this, is like, I didn't really know what the takeaway was. And I think it was interesting, like how how flatly miserable the movie was, because it's just like terrible thing after terrible thing happens to these people and i was having a hard time like finding anyone to connect with or like root for um or just like have any sort of empathy for because the film doesn't really give you time i feel like to connect to anyone and i think part of the nature of like the way that the story unfolds in this movie is that you're not 100 sure what everyone's motivations are and I think a side effect of that is that, like, because the film has to kind of keep you in the dark about who the characters are, it doesn't give you as much, it, it doesn't give them as much warmth as I would have wanted some of them to have. Um, so I guess we can just talk about that as we go on. But I feel like their motives were just, I don't want to go to hell because, like, that was like a majority of anyone's motives during that period just especially like the period since like it's like oh our our little baby is going to hell he didn't get baptized right fuck yeah like it like that <laughs> that was like the first thing that they thought of before the people even died and just like you know as funny as that is um i guess in like a stand back looking back like 400 uh years later right obviously this isn't like necessarily we don't know, but not necessarily a true story, but um, it's just like interesting because like that's more than likely what would happen back in the day. It's like, you know, one of the kids dies it's like, oh, shit, like, well, at least I mean, at least he got baptized. And so he's not going to hell. And that's less food that we have to you know, give. So like their motives, I feel like are just very, you know, survive, don't go to hell kind of thing, pray. So I that's kind of how I viewed the movie, though. It's like. These people aren't necessarily like the most fleshed out characters. They're all flawed, obviously, but they're just kind of trying to survive in the middle of nowhere. 
while this entity that they don't necessarily know about um, is just messing with them individually almost. And so, like, I, I see what you mean, Travis, but I guess I was just more viewing it as more of like a, in a, even though it's a fantasy movie, like in a more like a historically accurate, like, sense. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. I, I, I feel like for me, that added more to the movie just knowing that like a lot of this was from like previous like scriptures and like writings about like this mysterious entity and i i I felt more emerged into this movie knowing like you know this is probably literally what people thought if anything bad happened was going on and it was just interesting to see it but sorry Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, I actually, yeah, I'm glad you said that, Travis. I actually had a similar feeling and I I wasn't so bothered by it this time because this was the first time I'd seen the movie all the way through. Uh, But yeah, I did kind of get the impression, especially towards the end when the shit really hits the fan, that like my reaction to all of this like terrible stuff happening to these people ended up being more like, damn, that's crazy than like, yeah. oh, that's so horrible for this girl. And like, I don't know. It was just like it felt so predestined to me. And like, perhaps that's a theme because that's a big deal with like Puritans and like Calvinist Christianity is predestination because, you know, God is, you know, preordained everything to happen and all this kind of stuff. And like, we don't need to get into the theology of that in this podcast. But like, it just got to the point where I felt like, just all of this was going to happen and it's just what could any character have done to uh to avoid any of it but yeah yeah i think we'll get into that because i have in the notes uh like a discussion about the ending and kind of what we want to take away from it but yeah caleb to speak to your point about the like the historical uh nature of the film I really, really enjoy the fact that, you know, so much research was done uh, writing this film, especially it comes through with a dialogue. And there are definitely points in this movie where I don't really know what people were saying, but like I got the gist or like I understood the vibe subtitles because I didn't know what I realized talking about. Yeah, like halfway in, I realized I probably should have turned those on, but maybe next time I'll actually I'll remember But uh, yeah, yeah. And a lot of this stuff is based on, you know, pamphlets and, you know, writings of Puritans and all this stuff, you know, especially the uh, the unbaptized babies. You know, do they go to hell? Question is, uh, I know, a pretty was a pretty active discussion, at least at the time in these communities. But uh, real quick, I will I'll just give a real fast plot summary and then we can get into some of the more some of the themes or or if you know if you feel the need to really talk about one specific scene and you just can't hold it, just let me know and I will I will pause so we can talk about it. So the movie opens with this trial of some sort. You see this family and you hear this like rumbly, gravelly voice that's like Ralph Ineson, that's like his whole thing as an actor is he has this just like incredible powerful voice uh he's talking he's giving this like kind of self-important oh, uh shit. oh okay well oh, rebecca oh, just closed this gone <laughs> <sighs> okay reconnecting uh 
<laughs> Whoops, sorry, friends. Yeah, Rebecca I was... was closing apps and websites oh. and stuff on the computer to save uh, like processing <laughs> power, and then just like I watched her like right click the Discord icon and click quit, and I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, cool. Shut down the mainframe. I was thinking it was. I'm thinking it was Slack. Um, <laughs> it was so the witch couldn't find us. <laughs> yeah, that's OPSEC. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Plot summary. Uh, it begins with this trial. You hear Ralph Ineson in his, you know, uh, famous gravelly, really deep, rumbly, powerful voice uh, giving this kind of like self-righteous speech about how, you know, he'll not be judged by false Christians. And basically what's happening is he and... Um, by proxy, his family, they're getting kicked out of this colony. Uh, I think it's supposed to be the Plymouth colony, but it's not ever really uh, specifically stated in the movie. It doesn't really matter. Uh, and so that's kind of that opening sequence is this trial happens, and then uh, this family, they fuck off into the wilderness. They find this clearing next to these like really deep, dark, ominous woods, and they're praying. And then we kind of do a time jump. Uh, the kids are a bit older. And, you know, they're living in this cottage out in the wilderness. Um, there's a there's a new baby that wasn't there in the previous scenes. Uh, Thomason, the daughter, is playing. She's playing peekaboo with the baby. And I mean, she's literally right next to it. She's like a foot away. Uh, and, you know, she's covering her eyes and, you know, like, oh, boo. Oh, ha ha. Here's to the baby. Uh, and at one point, you know, she covers her eyes and says, boo. And the baby is gone. Uh and it got it got taken by the witch who promptly pounds the baby into paste and rubs it over her body in a really creepy cutaway. <laughs> uh, and then essentially all what happens is just this deterioration of the family as they're sort of stalked and tormented by this witch. Uh, at one point, you know, some of the kids get lost in the woods and uh, their son, whose name is Samuel, Caleb. Caleb. Fuck. No, Samuel is the baby who gets yeah. uh, who gets uh, abducted first. So Caleb, yeah, Caleb Warwick yeah, is in me. this movie. Yeah, he gets. I related uh, a lot to the kid. Yeah. Right. Uh, he gets uh, abducted by a witch after wandering around in the woods. Uh, comes back bewitched, cursed, and has this really creepy death scene. Uh, kind of throughout the movie, there's these creepy twins who are talking to this black goat called Black Philip, who, you know, turns out, spoilers, to be the devil. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's basically just this, all of the horrible shit that happens to this family as kind of they come to terms with the fact that, like, oh, well, these kids are dying and, you know, we've been lying to one another and and, you know, our religion and social mores don't really allow us to process any of this as it's happening uh and that obviously makes everything worse and it ends with uh with thomason joining this coven of witches and floating and laughing uh and living deliciously that's right yeah a really famous scene at the end i i thought to myself at the scene like huh like they're all just having a good time you know in the middle of the woods they're just vibing they're vibing. They're just they're out not there like, hooting and hollering under the moon. Like literally, like the the life before that she had was like arguably worse. <laughs> yeah, number one bullshit up until the point where she flies. Uh, of course, the afterlife probably going to be an issue because you gave your soul to the devil. But 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Know, that's I'm a tomorrow saying. problem. But maybe yeah. like if you did give your soul to the devil and you signed his book, maybe he would give you like I don't know some like opulent chamber in hell where you could like l- relax on your chaise lounge and eat grapes and like have orgies. You know, could be listen to EDM. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Listen to to Danzig. Hey, time isn't a thing in hell. I don't. I, I don't know. Actually. No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> I was just thinking about it like while I was saying it, so I was like, wait, never mind. Okay, great. Um, and just a quick little tidbit about that final scene with uh, when Black Phillip finally speaks to Thomason. Uh, there was some fucking uh, degenerate revving their motorcycle engine not far away from our house. And so kind of undercut that scene so motorcycle person I, I hope a car merges on top of you i, I don't <laughs> like you black um, philip drives an suv onto him that's right just a goat piloting an suv <laughs> serves satanic justice uh yeah so that's that's the movie the plot is really super straightforward and i think honestly not even all that surprising, it's more the manner in which these scenes play out that I kind of was shocked by. Because it's like, it's pretty predictable what's going to happen really from the outset. But there is uh, quite a lot of shock value to a lot of the scenes, which I enjoyed. It's like, yeah, it's like you were saying, Caleb, it's not like a lot of jump scares or anything kind of more stereotypically horror about it. But it's just these like very disturbing i think is a word rebecca used and we were talking about it yesterday and i think disturbing is really really a good way to talk about it uh but yeah i I think i have questions for the group just on clarity oh yeah go ahead um because I, i i i wasn't sure if it was supposed to be vague or if i missed something so okay question one so nobody was actually a witch right or or witched except for the witch and question two, what happened to the to the twins or does it not matter? I don't know where they went. I die. Yeah, I don't know what happened to the twins. I think that's supposed to be confusing. OK, as far as who is and isn't a witch, I think possibly the twins are under some kind of like evil magic because they are talking to the goat that turns out right. to be Satan. I don't think they're witches, you know, as such, but. Yeah, I think kind of the primary issue is that, like, Satan is living in their barn. Yeah. And not so much that any one member of the family is, you know, evil or has made a explicitly made a a deal with the devil. Um, I do think there's an argument to be made that that uh, part of the problems that the family are, are having it begins with uh with William the dad uh being prideful and leaving the colony and kind of being deceitful to his wife and all this stuff and there's sort of this like aspect of of you know man's sinful nature of course that's a theme you know in the movie and in puritan theology but then it's like i think it could be argued that's like if you weren't just lying to your family and if you weren't such like a headstrong dickweed this wouldn't be happening to you. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't personally read the film as saying that any person is a witch until obviously the end when Thomason becomes one explicitly. OK, yeah, I think there were like just 
yeah, just not like a witch. I don't think any of them were. Uh, just under a spell. Obviously, they had a literal, the literal devil, like messing with them as well too. So it's also that it's kind of like the scene with uh, Caleb too when the twins weren't able to recite a prayer, and like they just kind of fainted. That's what it looked like. And yeah. so I, I yeah, one hundred percent. I think they were just under a spell, and that was obviously it's probably more than likely up to interpretation. But I mean, I don't think they were witches. Yeah, I although I do think that is interesting because I'm pretty sure that does come from like historical like witch trials where they would have like children who they thought were witches like pray and then they would have these like sort of like mass sort of like prayers around people where like people would like faint and and sort of like become possessed by the witches spirits and all that kind of stuff. Um so I thought that was kind of interesting. I felt like what I enjoyed so much about this was kind of like the blurring of reality of like, so we have this kind of like historical perspective where there is magic and Satan is a force to be reckoned with, not just some like nameless devil on your shoulder. Right. But like a real, a real source of evil in the world. And it's kind of like, Oh, what if what if that was real? What if that was true? And like, how would this particular like puritanical like society that like puts so much emphasis on people's like, you know, innate corrupt existences, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And as like the film kind of goes on and we see, you know, characters kind of just like fall into very like natural, like, human follies where, you know, William is like trying to, you know, like protect his wife, which is like why he lies to her, but is sort of like an asshole in that he like makes his kids take the brunt of, of his own deceit. Um, little Kayla being like, Ooh, my sister has cute titties. And then just feeling really <laughs> embarrassed about that. Um, and then of course, like Thomas and, you know, being a, a a person who's coming into her own agency and teasing her siblings and like wanting to think about like, you know, the world outside of like what she's experienced. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought really it was all interesting. How you bring up the Caleb thing, because the first time I saw that, I, I didn't think it was like implying that for some reason. I don't know why. I was like, maybe the movie's not trying to be as creepy as I think. And then it did it again, and so I was like, it totally is. And I was like, yeah. damn it. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck. Okay, I get it. It's just trying to make you as uncomfortable as possible, and it's working. Historically yeah. accurate. Definitely. <laughs> Horniness has always been a problem. <laughs> I mean, no. as we saw in like the last episode. No, horniness was the solution <laughs> oh. in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. No, I meant her. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, you're right. Wow, yeah, there's been a really big horny theme on this show lately, now that you mention it. Uh, <laughs> well, anyways, we can start to talk about some more themes and stuff. Uh, I just kind of threw these notes together, but my first one is that Puritans sure are fucking creepy. It's... I have a sub note that says it's like they want spooky shit to happen to them. It's like you're wearing like nothing but like black and white clothing. You're talking in this like even at the time, I think, was like a pretty old fashioned, like weird, like freakish way to speak. Uh, you have this like 
really weird offshoot absolutist interpretation of an already pretty punitive religion. Uh, and then you've this conveniently constructed this like social and religious atmosphere that completely prevents you from like processing any of the bad shit that happens to you beyond that. Like, you know, we are, we are sinners in the hands of an angry God and we all deserve it. And the best we can hope for is like a, a quick death and like that we are predestined to go to heaven. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. That's just like, and then uh, Caleb, you mentioned this earlier is like, it's like, what a shitty like existence already. This was of mm-hmm. like, you know, like what was, what possibly could have been like the good outcome of this movie and it's like it's so difficult for me to see that at all so but like i'm wondering if like anybody else had that feeling because i it's just so oppressive yeah like i mean i feel like the best outcome would be the baby the the first baby just died and like they're just like all right well you know <laughs> it is like, what it uh, is ah uh, beans another stillbirth you know <laughs> But then they're like, I feel like it was just kind of inevitable for them to run to the witch. It would have happened one way or another in terms of like the movie. So I don't think there was a good outcome. I mean, shit, they're living in the 1600s. So they're already in the bad outcome. So it's like, (laughs) yeah, I mean, obviously, like um, having a witch like haunt your family is pretty, it's pretty spooky. And especially like the psychological shit that happened to all of them like oh you're a witch i knew it oh no you're a witch oh, i knew it you kids are witches and then it's like fuck am i a witch i mean he's <laughs> obviously but <laughs> kind of like that that like premise essentially in the movie like everyone's just thinking um someone close to them is against each other and it's like there really is i don't believe a good outcome and that's what i think is good about it because like you can't think like huh i mean even if the baby just died, that's still pretty shitty. Like, like it's still like, well, well shit. Like, you know, and I mean, they, essentially they just all died. So, I mean, they, I'm assuming they all got baptized. Like, you know, it's good for them. Right. Yeah, that's and true. Then, so it's just all depressing. It's very depressing. It's very unsettling, uncomfortable. They're already like, you know, trying to struggle for food in the first place so <sighs> yeah the like they're already having <laughs> yeah they're already having like a really rough time like trying to survive with like their crop kind of failing with no animals like getting ki- like tied up in their traps that they're setting like it's all very like I don't know, desperate. There's so much desperation. But I do like how that creates a really fun sort of space for that, like, horror stuff where, like, people are already kind of, like, grasping at straws. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's really all I had to say. I have a question for people. I this I literally just thought about this. Do you think the witch started fucking with them because William started putting traps out in the woods and that was like him not staying in his lane or do you think that was 
that it was going to happen anyways, and it's just a coincidence. Well, I think because they were near the forest in general, and, like, I feel like it was just kind of like an area. Like, you know, you once you enter the area, the witch, the witch will never leave your life kind of situation. Sure, yeah. And I think that's what it was. I, I don't know. I feel like I've seen so many, like, situations and read so many stories of something like that happened so i was just like fill in the blank kind of thing <laughs> like yeah you're in, the, you're in witch's territory like i i felt like it was more of like a civilization versus nature kind of dynamic where like they kind of walked into that by going next to the woods and sure. kind of like using the woods resources for their home and and oh. you know chopping down all the trees that's an I don't know, kind take. of like taming, going... like attempting to tame nature was kind of like what brought that on them. That makes sense. Yeah, you, you, you make your Minecraft home too close to a witch's hut. Yeah, then the witch comes after you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Should've well, that makes sense. Throws potions sword. at you. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we can get into the theme of civilization versus nature a little bit later, because I mean, I think that is. If not like the main theme, like one of the the main themes of the movie. But I do want to talk real quick about just kind of the ambient uh, spookiness of the movie and just the atmosphere that it creates, because that was something that struck me. And I think probably one of the big reasons why I was so like I couldn't finish the movie the first time I saw it was because like it, it was like I was saying it's part of that oppressive nature of the film It's just like it's so fucking relentless with either like creepy shots of like the forest with like these dark you know black deathly holes between the trees or there's like these droning high-pitched strings going on or you know there's like a close-up shot of somebody's face but the background's blurry and there's just enough motion that you don't know like who or what is back there and it's just like every piece of the movie almost feels like that uh it that's a good point too because it's like i feel like they did the sound design in the movie was absolutely fantastic like they didn't overdo it like how a lot of horror movies do it you know where there's just constant like you know high-pitched like violins playing in the background and then it'll just stop playing music for a long time so you could prep for a jump scare like, I feel like the way it did it, it fit with the flow of the movie and also just like the music and the tenseness of the sound just added so much more to it that it was just like, what's going to happen? I have no idea what's going to happen. Like, I literally like a jump scare could happen and you wouldn't see it coming kind of um, not like rating this movie based on how many jump scares it had, because I don't think <laughs> it had any. Two out of ten. But like. Yeah, out of 10. <laughs> uh, but so, yeah, I honestly zero because there's no jump scares. But anyways, um, <laughs> what, what I guess what I was there's trying to say was startling moments. Oh, no, I, <laughs> I was just kidding. I'm not going to rate a horror movie based on the lack of jump okay, scares. I know that. <laughs> but um, no, yeah, like the I, I feel like the sound design and just the music to the movie just added so much more of the creepiness to what was happening because at just at all times you're just like is someone gonna die is someone gonna get taken by the witch 
are they gonna kill each other? Is something really brutal gonna happen? I don't know, but I, like I guess that's what I just felt. I think this this second time viewing, uh, like a criticism that I had of the of the way that the music was implemented was, I thought it came in too hard too soon. Like when they were standing at the edge of the woods, and the the soundtrack just sounds like you're fighting a Bloodborne boss. Um, I thought I just, I just thought it came in too soon, too hard to like almost a comedic extent. Um, maybe it's like effective on a first time viewing for sort of setting the tone and and setting your expectations for the movie. Um, I think they could have gone in a bit more subtly and then maybe brought up the music once to that level once the spooky stuff actually started happening i just thought it was a strange decision that i wasn't vibing with at the time i definitely noticed that too i mean i was i was kind of into it and like uh, we'll see you know the next time i watch this movie if i like it as much but i thought it was actually like pretty interesting that it was like the music was so intense when nothing was happening and then once like literally this baby gets kidnapped and mushed into pace, uh, there's not really any music. Mm-hmm. It's just the sounds of like the mortar and pestle and, and that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, I like I said, I, I thought it was like sort of neat and novel, but like whether that'll kind of stand up to a more like critical viewing, I guess it remains to be seen because uh, I was not paying attention at all the first time. I watched this and it's been several years and I didn't really remember it all that well. Yeah. And also on the, um, on the, on the baby paste scene, um, (laughs) I do think it's notable that in this film, uh, they sort of break from horror tropes and they choose to sort of show you the, 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 the creature, the monster of the film, and it doesn't really take anything away from the movie. I mean, you can, you can sort of barely see her, but she looks weird and creepy and fucked up. So I think like it's still, it's still scary. It's not, it's not like when a, when a horror movie reveals its creature at the end and it's sort of a letdown. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. if you see a naked old lady outside in the middle of anywhere, like that's just usually not a good sign. So yeah. Yeah. There's only this pretty specific context where it's fine, but most, <laughs> most of the other times it's like, it's at least uh, it's at least a red flag that you should maybe like start asking some questions. Yeah, but like, uh, hmm. <laughs> what's up with this naked old lady is a good place to start. But poor Caleb didn't even get a naked old lady. Yeah, he got a clothed young lady. Yeah, with a poor old Caleb. Hand. I guess that's well, true. I mean, uh... yeah, we guess we don't know exactly okay. what happened okay. to him. So y- you get grabbed inevitably by a witch. She's either a young lady or an old like, naked lady. Which one do you choose? I mean, I think it's also gross because he's like 12, you know, and no 12 year old needs to be needs to be being kissed by like someone who is absolutely older than him like that. So I think it's gross all around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, That's the correct answer. That, was that the baby paste let her become like a young, beautiful woman or something? Yeah, yeah I actually sense. I assumed it was actually a completely different witch up until the point oh. where it showed her hand because her mm-hmm. hand is like that's shown really that's pr- like really the only part of her that you see clearly in that first scene besides like her butt. But uh, I was like, oh, because there's like multiple witches because like I knew I knew that it ended with a, a whole coven of witches. 
but then it's like, oh, I don't know. It's kind of unclear, like, who is who as far as the witches go. But uh, I think it's probably you're seeing the same one, and then it just happens that there are more witches who have, like, congregated at the end versus, like, you just happen to be living in this forest that was just fucking lousy with witches this entire time, <laughs> which, is, which I guess is also possible. But, uh... Oh man, what was I gonna say? Yeah, I think uh, to your to credit the point you made, Travis, about how this doesn't cheapen the effect of like the the monster is that like I was freaked out every time I saw the witch. Like it didn't matter that we had seen her that early in the movie. It was like it was still pretty fucking like ominous when like the the sexy lady appears to Caleb in the forest. And like, obviously, like pretty startling when her hand is old. And then when later, when they're all like trapped in the in the goat barn at the end and the witch is there, like suckling on the nanny goat, that is like also really fucking scary. Uh, and then it's really just at the end when they're like far away and hooting and hollering that like they're not really scary to look at. But it's like by then it's kind of too late. Uh, like the scary shit's like what done <laughs> yeah the ambient and spooky atmosphere was like the reason why we stopped watching it if I remember yeah because we stopped watching it when I think Caleb and Thomason get separated in the woods and he's just like climbing through all of like the the trees yeah and we were just like nope <laughs> can't do this anymore and and you know it was I like hated how like skeletal all the trees looked because it was like winter time or it was like fall or whatever. It was like the after the harvest and like things are dying. Oh my God. And the Robert Eggers on his commentary track talks so many times about like trying to find the perfect trees. Like he was obsessed with finding the right trees in these different locations. He talks about this in like four <laughs> different scenes. He talks about yeah. how they spent like four days looking for a specific type of of tree that was like accurate to the time period and location and it also looked the way that he wanted and yeah. uh, he always sounds kind of sad he's like yeah we didn't find the right tree but we went with this one and i think it's okay and he just kind of sighs <laughs> yeah i actually yeah he because he's from new hampshire and this was based on like uh f fairy tales and shit that he heard as a kid and uh, he really wanted to shoot it, you know, on location in rural New England, but like for tax purposes or something, they couldn't because, you know, of course. And so they ended up shooting in like northern Ontario in Canada. And like there's this funny quote where like Robert Eggers talks about like how he thought New Hampshire was remote, but like out in Canada it made New Hampshire look like a metropolis because I guess they were like a good day's travel from any town where they were and it was all because he wanted to get just the right vibe from the forest uh and i don't know if this was like done in tandem with or after or before the decision to shoot with only natural light but uh it makes that make a little bit more sense because it's like otherwise you're gonna have to have like you know trucks with all these like generators and power sources and shit to like 
you know, power your lights for actually shooting this movie because this movie, you know, is all the exterior shots are natural light and all the interior shots are candlelight or just, you know, natural daylight coming through windows, which I think really adds to the atmosphere. Uh, I think this is the first horror movie that I've seen that opted for that. I'd seen mostly just like art house movies where directors had done that. But I think, yeah, it works really well for horror. And I mean, if and like it's as a genre that's sort of notoriously low budget, you know, I think it's a it was a it's a cool choice. And like, I'm sure logistically it's a nightmare, but I think it worked really well in this yeah. movie. I want like a lot more. I don't know, timepiece horror films. I really, really like this. I, I guess in the style of like uh, Robert, but I just really like the whole like folklore being turned into a horror movie. I, I feel like like there might be a ton of these movies that I've never seen. I haven't seen them personally, but I've never heard them. And I think it'd be cool to have like some modern ver- versions or modern takes on those in those time periods. And I just like the idea of that I think that's really neat. Yeah, I mean, his follow-up film was The Lighthouse, which is a period piece as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's another one. Let's see. It looks really good. But I just want more. One more. Give me some, like, <laughs> <laughs> like BC. Uh, <laughs> what? I mean, hey, maybe, the, maybe there's some cool, like, uh, folklore stories, like, BC, you know, like who knows? We'll never yeah. know. Just like some made. like ancient Greek horror, you know, why not? Yeah, that'd be sick. That would be actually unironically cool. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what people come up with. It's not like, you know, there aren't folk traditions in cultures that have been around for fucking ever. So I'm sure you could, you know, turn some of that into some pretty cool movies. Uh, so I think we're going to take a real quick break. And then when we get back, we will talk about the ending, we'll talk about themes, and we'll talk about genre. And we're back. And before we talk more about the witch, Please remember to follow us on Twitter. We are at Motion Pick Pals. Sign up for newsletters on Substack. We are motionpicturepals.substack.com. And join the Discord at bit.ly slash motionpicturepals. You can do stuff with us, like attend a Halloween party, which we just did on Saturday. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Everybody got to wait for me and Rebecca to finish cooking for like an hour and a half at the (laughs) beginning. But, you know, it ended up it ended up being a lot of fun. It was a little boring at the beginning. But, you know, what can you do? We had not one but two double jokers at that party. That's right. So it was both of whom are actually on this podcast right now. And it wasn't me. We had one joker and another joker. Because together we created a Joker and a Joker, you know? You were both half Joker? I was going to say we had four Jokers. Oh, sh- but dude. Four quarter Jokers. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to say. Uh, anyways. So, the witch. So, what did we all make of the ending? I know we've kind of alluded to this by saying, like, uh, you know, the movie is just, like, such a like it's just such like depression porn at some point 
But, uh, you know, the ending is like, I think the only time we see Thomason smile and like certainly the only time we see her laugh. Uh, it's kind of the only like outward expression of happiness that we see that isn't in like some kind of like bewitched delirium moments before death in the movie. So I mean, my take on it is like I barely have one is like, I guess it's better. It's like better than her previous life, but I'm still not really clear on like, do you just go to hell for eternity unless you can like smear baby paste on you and make yourself young again? Or like, I, I don't know exactly how that works, but. You know, my interpretation of the beginning and the end of the movie, because I feel like there's a connection between the two. That's called the middle. Um, <laughs> <when> t- <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I guess I'm referring to when Thomason was, you know, playing uh-huh. boo with little baby. I feel like she knew or was getting lured to right. oh, for switch, sure. but she knew about it. And so the whole situation, um, like why she got happy towards like at the end of the movie when she actually got to become part of the witch covenant or whatever it is, um, was because she knew about it the whole time. And I feel like that was just a big reason was. I mean, everybody, I feel like, in a way, contributed, but I feel like it kind of started with Thomas, right? Like, she lost the baby, and she was the closest to the woods during that time. And so some sort of mystical thing could have happened to, like, tell her to come to the woods, and then she'll, you know, become part of the witch crew or something. I don't know. But in a way, I feel like she knew about it the entire time. And just wanted that to be the actual. Interesting. Outcome. I definitely didn't think she knew about it, but I mean, I, I definitely see what else you're saying was like, I definitely assume there is some mm-hmm. kind of like witchy glamour or whatever to like lure her towards the woods with the baby so the witch can take it. But Rebecca, you look like you had some things to say. Yeah, I had a totally different take than that. And like, I kind of said this in the beginning, but I totally blame William for what happened. I think I do um, too. With his like willful. Will? Yeah, yeah will. will suit. Um, where he was like <laughs> willful and defiant and sort of like left the colony Luna. No. Where he left the colony in like a huff. Um, and then mm-hmm. they are having problems like the, the crop problems like started before that predated the, the baby being stolen. Um, then, you know, like the baby gets stolen and that's bad. And then, you know, he goes out with a gun, you know, continues to sort of like terrorize the the. The, the forest in his like, I'm, you know, bringing civilization here. Like I'm bringing, William. I'm bringing God to this forest. I kind of like imagine his like gross, you know, ideas of, of, of grandeur, I guess. Kind of like, yeah, settler colonial mindset. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Satan just being like, fuck you. <laughs> that's that's not how to be in this world. And like, you're already being an asshole. So we're just going to like fuck with you and kind of um, exploit the things that you're afraid of. And I don't particularly think that Thomason knew that. I think when she was sort of like teasing her younger sister, um, that was more just 
because like, oh, they were talking about how Thomason was like getting older and she was, you know, becoming more dangerous as like a young lady ought or, you know, has been in the past. Um, and so they, you know, I think that was just kind of like feeding off of the, the, the cultural zeitgeist, I guess. That's a very interesting take that you have, too, because like it seems like you're almost on the side of like the witches and like the devil um for like being it's this like nature um this like all nature kind of like yeah don't mess with nature kind of situation and that's very interesting too i guess like yeah back to kind of the thomason thing um i wanted to clarify that like it could have i think it was just more of like a subconscious thing mm -hmm. too because I, I it kept seeming like it was giving hints of that um throughout the movie where like um especially like when she was like oh i'm a witch to like her younger sister and i feel like there was more truth to that than there was like um like messing around with her little sister kind of thing and like i that's why that's kind of why i claimed mm -hmm. that situation from her bringing the baby but i guess that comes with an interesting movie it's like everyone's like divided on what they think happened in the movie and their interpretation of it so i think that's very absolutely interesting that you have i think it. that's also what's really cool is that like there are i feel like you can see almost like every person's perspective so clearly and they're all contradictory i guess except the like the baby twins because they're like small um but i yeah. feel like i can empathize so much with like the mother um old Catelyn, not Catelyn, Lysa Tully. Or Lysa Arryn, Lysa Tully, yeah, yeah, from Game of Thrones. With Game of Thrones, um, you know, where she's just sort of like this, like, grieving, like, woman who's, like, worried about her, like, the soul of her, like, unbaptized baby and, like, blaming her husband from, like, taking them out of England and being like, why did you do this? And <laughs> you stole from me and, you know, like, my daughter's, you know, conspiring against me, you know, like, that's just very, like, sad and, and, and horrible. Um, I guess I'm looking at, like, the, 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 the sheet or, like, our notes and there's kind of, like, the civilization versus nature and we have control versus freedom. And I feel like it's almost like civilization and control versus the absence of that. Like, I don't think it's particularly nature or particularly freedom. I think because like puritanical perspectives are so um, specific that when you take that away, you know, then the whole world opens up to you. And I don't really think that it, you know, is, is I don't think that like dichotomy is a very, I guess, accurate picture of like what's going on. I don't know, that was just the thing that I noticed. Don't know if it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think it's all pretty valid. I just, yeah, like these are like just so explicit in the film, at least as the characters are concerned. But as for, you know, we as the audience, I think it's kind of up to us. But. Because uh, I think sort of when it's like the absence of religion and control, then I think you can kind of like open up the interpretations at the end to be a little bit more ambiguous. Because like, I don't particularly think that like, the the evil witches or like satan are like the good guys because i feel like it was they were just sort of like you know inflicting such overt like gruesome harm to this family um like literally like 
taking like a fucking newborn baby and turning it into like baby paste. Like that's pretty <laughs> fucked up. And Baby yeah, soup. but it, it almost felt like <laughs> it was like, a, I don't know, it feels like very reactionary. We're like, oh, we're going to do this to you. They're going to do this to us kind of thing. Oh, sure. There should have been like a, a struggle session between the two of them and some self crit. Yeah. And some <laughs> some productive dialogue between uh, the literal embodiment of Satan and these Puritans. Yeah. I mean, really the problem in, you know, the Puritan uh, settling of America was that, like, the nation was just so divided at that time. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody was seeing eye to eye and just nobody could have, like, a conversation. Yeah. Uh, Sounds pretty familiar. Yeah. yeah, that's, I don't know, that's a coincidence. I don't, I don't, don't, don't think anything of it. But, uh. No, yeah, it's a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of the civilization and nature motif and kind of the way that that bleeds into the religion and freedom motif is like, obviously, you know, the wilderness is kind of like freedom at its most extreme, you know, and it kind of comes back to being horrible because, I mean, animals and nature is are it's very scary it's very bleak yeah uh but then there's of course the other extreme which is like puritanical religion which is so stifling that it's kind of like well what what could you possibly choose like that's such an impossible choice to make that uh, i think that that uh to me anyways really contributes to the that feeling of oppression of like all of this is predestined to be horrible it's just kind of the manner in which it is horrible because rebecca and i talked about this too is like what was like the best case scenario for thomason was to what be like bundled off to some farm that belongs to some family she's never met and like almost certainly be subject to like some form of sexual violence and like maybe crank out a few kids and like have a slightly better time of it than her mother did it's like cool we really really glad we left england for this uh and then i think to speak to rebecca's point of this kind of being william's fault which is kind of how i view the movie uh is that like it was his decision to leave england obviously his wife like at the very least regretted it if she wanted to at all in the first place and then subjected his kids to this like totally unspeakable horror one because he decided to leave england because he was like a member of a cult and then two he was like too extreme for the cult and decided like we can just go live in the middle of the fucking woods in new england and it'll be fine uh and so it's like that i don't know brings me back to my the i guess the ambiguity of the end is like what what could have happened like what should thomason have done um and like i don't know if it's like quite as emancipatory as like i kind of got the impression it was supposed to be with like her you know obviously like quite literally gaining this measure of power and like you know magic because she's flying at the end but it's i don't know it's like at what cost and like how much of this was her doing at all because i mean I, I guess i'm of the opinion that this was all sort of like machinations between her father and black Philip and like everybody else is really just a pawn in this game. And 
it's them that, of course, kind of get the worst of it. Yeah, I like that interpretation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then I guess speaking of the the civilization versus nature motif and, you know, the the battle between Black Philip and William is that, you know, there's, of course, the fact that, you know, he's gored. William is gored by Black Philip and killed in the end. And he picks up an axe at one point and drops it because, you know, he's bleeding out. And then he's like headbutted into this big pile of wood and the wood and the wood that William splits throughout the movie is kind of the most like visceral depiction of, you know, the quote unquote taming of nature. And then it, of course, is, you know, covering his corpse by the end of the film. So it's, you know, not exactly subtle, but I think a really great scene all the same. Yeah. I didn't even see it like that. Good eye. Good eye. Thank you. Thank you. I've taken one film class. <laughs> Travis, how good are your eyes? Um, well, I noticed that uh, that when that when William took off his shirt, he was a lot smaller than I thought he actually was. <laughs> good eye good I mean, spot it's so like large and imposing and they took up a straight and he was just like a scrawny little man i guess that's like better than like that would have been so funny if he took off his shirt he's absolutely just fucking jacked just, just, like, just jacked gigantic pilgrim. like that was just like jacked pilgrim it's like yeah yeah <laughs> hugh jackman and wolverine <laughs> It's like, where is he getting this protein from? Like, how this doesn't even make any sense. Yeah, the corn was rotted. The corn. He said they couldn't harvest it because it was rotten, but he was sneaking out there and eating it to get huge. He's just manifesting this muscle. (laughs) It's his faith. It's his faith in Christ that allows him to get big, which is still true to this day, actually. That is the only way to get jacked and to look good without your shirt on is to be a, a faithful Christian. The better um, ending would have been um, a shirtless fight to the death between him and Black Philip, and it's yeah. like raining, and they're just like fucking just beat. I'm just kidding, and just like smashing <laughs> the through the walls meditation. of the house. Yeah, yeah. He cuts off the head of Black Philip, holds it up while it's raining outside, and he's like <laughs> starts screaming. Like that's that's the good ending. Yeah, yeah. And then like Black Philip's body grows like three more heads, and it's like a, you know. <laughs> It's, it's one of those fights where people have like different forms. Yeah, that would have been a video game, a video game adaptation of the witch. That would be, yeah, that would be horrible for the first of all, several like hours are like a survival horror walking simulator, and then it just turns into like an action no. like beat 'em up game at the end. It would be like a, a farming simulator for the oh, first yeah, yeah. Like, fifteen hours of the game, and there's no way around it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I miss, I miss like the two thousands, the early two thousands, when every movie had a video game tie in, and they were usually not good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should bring that back. Yeah, I, I think so. Well, Avatar two, there's still yeah. hope. Comes out next year. There right. was the Avatar one video game, so we can hope that the Avatar two comes with one. Uh, so unless anyone has anything more to say about themes, uh. We can move on to just really briefly discuss this concept of elevated horror. And now I am like, I've really just recently started kind of paying more attention to horror as a genre, but I know elevated horror was something I didn't really hear before 2015. 
you know, I don't know when exactly people started using the term, but I get the impression like the witch was at least one of the very early examples. But I've kind of, as I've learned more about the genre, I've kind of become a little bit more resistant to the concept of like elevated horror. Because I think it kind of needlessly creates this dichotomy of like, well, there's good horror and then there's like the schlocky bullshit that all you hogs love so much. And Wait, I'm like, can, not what can you explain what elevated horror is? I can't. And that's the problem, because oh. as far as I can tell, it's a horror movie that is good. I, I and guess so. Like, I think that existed certainly before the mid 2010s. But yeah, I don't, I'm wondering, like, if all of you have a, a take on this or like any anything to say about it because i it's always just kind of sit poorly with me i'm pulling up like a uh, an article that says elevated horror colon the movies of a subgenre that may not exist ah, um, cbr.com agrees with me at least um and there's like examples like midsummer um the lodge us yeah um, i have one that says yeah, it follows and the babadook Okay. So when when I think of elevated horror, how you guys are explaining it, I'm thinking of like cosmic horror. Oh, and... elevated like in space. No, 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 no. no. Uh, <laughs> even cosmic horror doesn't actually mean that either. Weirdly enough, um, cosmic horror is just um, a type of horror genre where you don't understand like what the horror of the film is, mm-hmm. or like you don't know what like it is physically or if it even is anything like reminiscent of like the blob or the thing or um shit like it even because like it is just a manifestation of like horror of the kids and so like there's it's just this thing that you don't understand but it's like causing bad things to happen around you and that's like I really like that kind of horror where it doesn't necessarily have a form, but I mean, in the, in the witch, I mean, it does have a form. So I guess it's like a little bit of like the middle ground of something like that. Maybe we can consider elevated horror, like the middle ground between like, what, what would be a standard horror film? Like what, what is a like explanation of like a, maybe like a slasher film, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I guess. Kind of horror film. Yeah, but, but I mean, like, I mean, those were like the those were like the original horror films, though, right? Like, not necessarily. I just think of like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. Oh, well, that's yeah, kind of okay. that's kind of where my problem with the term elevated horror comes from is because it's like, well, it's like any other genre. There are so many different things that that, a you know, a horror movie could be. I mean, just like, you know, a drama or a thriller or sci-fi or, you know, it doesn't, you know, pick a genre, right? And there's, like, all kinds of examples, like, from, you know, great, like, cinema, you know, era-defining masterpieces to, like, you know, schlocky bullshit. And so it's, like, I think horror has gotten kind of a, a bad rep throughout the years as, like, the typically, you know, shitty genre and I, I don't think that's totally fair i think there's always been good and thoughtful horror made oh absolutely but i i think the thing is like horror is just a difficult genre to make a movie in because like there's just so many aspects of what people like in a horror movie mm-hmm. and like 
if it's not if it's like a good movie but a lot of people don't consider it scary that's like a thriller right but if it's like it's just i feel like it's very very rare to come across like a genuinely scary good movie and i feel like this is one of those but um like i just feel like that's it's just such a difficult genre to make a good film in like I feel like your movie can be like very scary, but not a good movie, you know, but then there's also like not very scary, but also a good movie. But it's just so hard to get those like two together. You know what yeah. I mean? I would yeah. maybe maybe guess that this term elevated horror because it sounds like it came came about in like 2014, 15 or something um, was maybe sort of a reactionary response to like. Because when I think back on like on the horror movie genre over the years, in my mind, there's a period of time that's like like 2000 through 2010 where we were getting horror movies like Insidious and like Sinister and Paranormal Activity that weren't really like like they were enjoyable horror movies, but they weren't really like good movie movies. And yeah, so maybe right. when things like It Follows started coming along that were sort of like taking horror tropes and flipping them and just trying to do horror in in a different way maybe people felt a little bit like relieved that there was sort of a a, a new approach in the horror genre uh, that's really i would agree I yeah i would agree i feel like from that list that i read out loud as someone who like does not watch any horror i felt like what i'd heard about people talking about these movies were that they like did subvert various like horror tropes um and like everyone talked about how like midsummer was like so like white and bright and like that was like what became like horror-y. and i felt like us with just kind of like i don't know like racism and trauma being like themes of the film that were kind of like played out in more explicit ways that were kind of like undercurrents of the horror genre but were not kind of like as explicitly actualized as they were in that and i feel like with um, I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't I'm not like a connoisseur of like horror films. I can like barely fucking handle any kind of jump scares um, <laughs> or any suspense at all. Yeah, really can't do it. Um, I felt like the the witch was also similar in that it was kind of like, I don't know, a period piece and didn't rely on jump scares and was I don't know, was was a little bit subversive in that way. And so I feel like, you know, elevated just kind of means like prestige mm. TV for horror. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I can see my, that. Uh, my first introduction into horror was more like sci-fi horror. Like, I mean, my first horror movie that I remember because I was traumatized from it when I was little uh, was Alien. And that also right. happens to be one of my favorite, not only horror films, but films of all time. Like, yeah. I genuinely loved that movie, and it created, like, this whole, like, new world of things that I can, like, look into. Like, you know, it's got, like, aliens, like, horror, and, like, also, like, where, where the fuck did this thing come from, kind of. And it was also just, like, a very um, haunted house-esque movie, but you're in space with this, like, disgusting, scary creature that you've literally never seen before. And so, like, I just really like that idea. And it wasn't also like, you know, ghost. Oh, you can't see it kind of thing. Like, you know what this thing looks like. But that also 
one of the rare cases I think where it's like when you see the monster, it's still scary. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and especially like all, of course the art and stuff, but that's a different story. Anyways, like over the years, like I, I really delved into horror from, I, from that movie also sci-fi, but I mean, like, I just really think of horror as more of not a jump scare filled mess, but just really, it's really all about the environment and the sound. And that's just the big thing with horror and what I like from it. And I mean, the witch did a really good job of it. Like, like you look around, it's everything's dead. Everything's like gray and depressing and just like a place that you would not want to be ever. Also a time period, but that's a <laughs> but and it's like, yeah, like um, just a lot of these types of movies. I feel like they just do a really good job of, you know, creating this scary place that you're like looking at and you're like being a part of. And it's just hard to, you know, replicate that in like newer movies. A lot of the times this goes back to kind of like the horror movie genre. But I feel like there's those movies that just hit it so well. That you're like, I don't want to see that movie ever again, but I love it. Yeah. Some horror movies (laughs) just hit different. Absolutely. (laughs) And folks, if you want to hear our takes on Alien, go back and listen to episode 13 that we recorded earlier in the summer. Uh, Caleb wanted to join in for that discussion, but... Couldn't quite make it happen. Didn't end up happening. Here you are. But I'm here right now, so let's talk about Alien. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh... Yeah, and kind of the last thing that I wanted to talk about here is just some of the fun stuff about uh, the breakout star of this film, Charlie, who played Black Phillip. Uh, I was just like, the first time I saw this movie, but especially the second time, I was one, I was so like impressed by like i guess the physical specimen of black philip he's just like a really like cool looking goat he's got just these unbelievably gigantic horns he's got this like really like shaggy black coat and he's an absolute unit of a goat and he weighs 210 pounds uh and this relates to what travis was saying about um about william uh, being so skinny was that uh, Ralph Ineson actually had to lose like 30 pounds for this role so he would look like an actual, you know, like uh, guy who Starving is Puritan. Yeah, like, a struggling like Puritan settler. Uh, but, you know, he's actually like wrestling the goat to like get it back in the pen for like those scenes where he has to do that. And he and Ralph Ineson is like he has these quotes. There's a a really good little article that's worth a read from The Hollywood Reporter about all this stuff. Uh, But he talks about being so weak and so fatigued just because of the weight loss that it was such a nightmare to wrestle with this uh, goat because the goat outweighed him by like 50 pounds. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. He's a he's a big boy. Yeah. and so I'm going to I'm going to find a couple of my favorite quotes from this article, because I think they're really funny. Like the way that Ralph Ineson describes him is quite, quite funny. Uh, oh, yeah. Real quick. There's uh, Robert Eggers talking about the goat because, you know, they saw the pictures of him and they were like, oh, my God, this goat is like perfect for this role. We got to go get him. Uh and then so they get him and they have him out on the set 
And then Eggers says, if we wanted him to be doing something violent, he wanted to go to sleep. If he was supposed to be standing still, he was running around like a madman. Uh, so that's funny. Just like an unruly goat on a movie set is just like, to me, an inherently funny concept. Yeah. Uh, and then Ralph Ineson says, I didn't have a lot of gas in the tank, really. Ineson says of sparring with the beast who weighed about 50 pounds more than him. He was horrible. Really, really horrible. From the moment we set eyes on each other, it was just kind of hate at first sight. He had two modes, chilling out and doing nothing or attacking me. Uh, and so on the fourth day of filming, uh, Charlie actually attacked uh, Ralph Ineson and uh, headbutted him right in the ribs and actually dislodged a tendon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Ralph Ineson had to be on painkillers for the rest of the shoot, which was like several Damn. weeks long yeah it's pretty funny uh and then there's like all these hijinks i won't get into it I'll, uh but there's a fun quote at the end where uh yeah every like everybody talks about uh like you know black philip being like such a star of the film that like nobody quite expected audiences to latch onto the goat so much and so Ineson says it's wonderful that his fantastic performance is bringing notoriety to the film but there's a little part of me that's like, seriously, that fucker? There's an incredible restaurant in London called The Smoking Goat. When Robert was in town, we went there for my wife's birthday and shared this incredible goat dish. We remembered Charlie, not so fondly. <laughs> uh, so that's great. I just think that's wonderful. I like reading about animal actors. Uh, I think also animal actors is like a, a funny phrase to think about. But anyways, that article... Uh, from Hollywood Reporter is called Black Philip, the real story behind the breakout goat from the witch by Seth Abram Abramovich. So give it a read if you liked the witch. I think it's a fun little insight into the making of the film. But unless anybody has anything else to say about goats or witches or New England. I or think, elevated horror. Or all sorts of things. I think we can we can call it for this episode. Black Phillip is number one. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said God bless Black Phillip earlier. Wait, is that a contradiction? Bless. No, yeah, Caleb thought he was not. a pirate. <laughs> oh, yeah, Black like Blackbeard. Yeah, when, when I introduced him and he was like walking over, I saw his like you know outfit and stuff, and I was like, oh, he's a pirate, Black Phillip. Like Blackbeard. <laughs> yeah, definitely. He's just a magical pirate. Uh, wow. Great. Yeah, the magical witch pirate, Black Philip. Okay, well, with that, uh, that's it. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, join us next week where we watch The Village, uh, yet another horror film. It's, we're all feeling horrible, I guess, and so we want to watch movies that reflect that. Uh... So thank you all again so much for listening. Again, please follow us on Twitter. We are at MotionPicPals. Sign up for the Substack. That's MotionPicturePals.substack.com. Join the Discord, bit.ly slash MotionPicturePals. And we will see you all again Goodbye. next week. Goodbye. Bye. Wow.
Why do so many people I know share that like one artist who like he puts like a bunch of really like lame quotes on like a wall made of like balloons? I, I don't know how to explain it. Oh yeah, I know who you're talking about. This guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I saw it was really funny because people were like dunking life. on him by making the balloon spell like really funny and really offensive stuff. Uh-huh. But like he was actually like he was cool about it. He was like, oh, this is actually pretty funny. So, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with him now. But yeah, it is goofy how he's like in there, like posing with his balloons yeah, and all the pictures. I was going to say. Oh, man. That I also reminds me wonder, of like that. did he just have like a thousand like assorted letters of balloon in his house? And he was like, what the fuck am I going to do with these? And then then figured it out. No, he had this revolutionary artistic vision. OK, and he's That's like, true. I'm going <sighs> to, you know, every every teen teen girl's 18th birthday, how they have those number balloons. <laughs> every one of those pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do or that like with your words. golden birthday. Yep, exactly. He's like, I'm going to yeah. do that with letters. Dude, I just found pose. out what a golden birthday is like a few months ago. Wait, what is like, that is? It's when you're turning the age that is like the date of your birthday. So for me, it was when I was nine years old, which is bullshit. Wait, I don't get it. So it's a, what what day of the month were you born? The 28th. So when you turn 28, that's your golden. Birthday. Oh, OK. So you, we have yours to look forward to. Yeah. Man, so, I was 13. That's yeah, that's what I'm saying. I was 8. Rebecca, you were 11. 11. Caleb, you were 13. So Travis, we're going to do it big for okay. yours. You got a couple years, right? And then yeah. it's on. Cam, I was really afraid you were going to say something like, oh, it's about piss. Yes, you <laughs> get a golden shower as your gift. All right, Travis, we're all on our way. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just drink oh, no. so much water. Yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> Oh, he actually left. I thought it was part of the bit. No, no, I... Yeah. The guy that you were talking about, what's his name? Uh, the artist. The artist. Oh. No, the balloon <laughs> guy. He lives in Portland. Really? Yeah. Well, we should find him. 